to be in 1 Peter chapter 4, and I'll be reading 1 through 11. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles, when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, carousings, and abominable idolatries, in which they think it strange that you run not with them to the same prolificacy, speaking evil of you. Who shall give an account to him that is ready to judge the living and the dead? For for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober-minded, and watch unto prayer. And above all things, have fervent love among yourselves, for love shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Shall we pray? Loving Father, that you may bless the reading of your word. Encourage us, Lord, that your spirit might, in, might edify us and that we together may worship you, Lord, in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this afternoon, as we come to this passage, we find that Christ's sufferings are also in view. Since Christ has suffered, why should we not then suffer also? This uh, chapter is in a way connected to the previous as in verse 18 there is mentioned of, of the vicarious sufferings of Christ preached by Christ even through the spirit his spirit which was in Noah in those days long before in verse 18 of chapter 3 we read for Christ also hath once suffered for sins the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. This afternoon we look at several areas here. First of all, we are to have a Christ-like endurance. We, are to, we have two possibilities, sin or suffering for Christ. Well, we know that the world pursues sin. But we are not to pursue it, but rather we are to pursue Christ. 
And so we have to have that patient endurance in Christ that would mark us out as the true followers of Christ. Secondly, we are to have the courage of Christ. People become like what they worship. If they worship the world and the things of the world, well, we know the Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So if a, if a person is worshiping the things of the world, they become like the world. We are to worship the Lord and become like the Lord. And thirdly, we are to show a Christ-like service. We shall either have the blame of men or the approval of God. And we know that um, there will be a day of judging where we will stand before God, or at least uh, we recognize that the great white throne judgment, though we are not standing there, the world is standing there before God. Um, there is that sense of judgment which is impending and uh, we find that in this world of course um, people glorify pleasure, materialistic things and the pursuit of, of happiness if you will uh, to an evil degree <laughs> and uh, once they're given permission to pursue those things to its fullest they, of course, do avail themselves to every possible pleasure that they can experience. And today we find that um, as the Spirit of God in some sense seems to be withdrawing from the world, and we liken that to the fact that the church is having less and less influence over the world. Um, not to say the Spirit isn't still active and working, but we recognize that sin seems to be on the increase. Well, as we look at this passage in uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, we begin with these verses. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, for he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Now this, of course, is a truism that the closer we draw to the Lord, the further we get away from the world. The closer we get to Christ, the more apt we are then to have to stand for Christ and suffer for Christ. And so, as far as the prolificacy of the world and its sins, we are to pursue the mind of Christ rather than the things of the world. Rather than minding the things of the world, we are to mind the things of Christ and to become more Christ-like. So for as much then as Christ has suffered for us, he has suffered for us in the flesh, then the only thing that we can do if we are truly to cease from sin is to arm ourselves likewise with the same mind for, because, if you will, 
He hath suffered in the flesh, he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. That is, if we continue to keep the mind of Christ, if we continue to live for Christ and suffer for Christ, that means we are ceasing from sin. Rather than pursuing it, we are ceasing from it. It doesn't mean that that sin has completely left us alone. Uh, We know that there are the temptations which often come upon man, upon believers even. But we also know that um, God tempts no man. We are tempted of our own lusts, James says, We are drawn away or enticed by our own lusts, if you will. And when we do sin, it isn't God who has tempted us to do so. It's rather that we have given in to our impulses, our lustful impulses, our sinful impulses. Um, To avoid that, then we must seek the mind of Christ. We must seek the example of Christ. We must live the mind of Christ and the example of Christ. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. Well, I suppose we could take the life of any martyr, especially in the early church, and see how that example is borne out. That to put oneself in the way of suffering for Christ meant to separate oneself completely from sin and to cease from it. And... That seems to be the sense of what he is saying. Verse 2, there is no longer, excuse me, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. And so if one is ceasing from sin, then they, that means they should no longer live the rest of their time to in the flesh, to um, to the lusts of men. Well, we know the lustful desires of men are all around us. And we see it in our society. It's become rampant almost in the sense that it's much more open. It's much more accepted. It's, uh, it seems to be much more sought after even uh, to pursue the lustful desires that one has. There's hardly a, a image or a or a movie program or a television program or any kind of media that you have that there isn't some bottle of alcohol being tipped in some direction and it's usually not dumped out. It's usually put into somebody. And the idea of the world is that they're constantly in a drunken stupor. (laughs) They're constantly sipping on something. Constantly, all the time. And the first thing you're asked if you're in any kind of a social gathering, what do you want to drink? And they're not talking about Pepsi, you know, usually. They want a Bud Light or they want uh, a Budweiser or they want something else altogether or they want some kind of alcoholic drink. Uh, well, these are, these are the pursuits of, of the flesh to the lusts of men and... Uh, if we are to keep from sin and no longer pursue sin, then that means we have to suffer at some level.
for Christ to do it at some level that we might be known separate we might be separate from that well as we look at verse 3 he says for in time past of our life for the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles and of course he's going to talk about the will of the Gentiles here when we walked in lasciviousness immoralities lust excessive wine revelings carousing and abominable idolatries of course there is a a very great variety of these things being carried out in our society today and we see them on on every hand the Gentile nations and people who are not dedicated to Christ in the pursuit of these things as I may have said to you before, there's like three designations of the uh, societies in the Bible. There is the Jew, there is the Gentile, and then there is the Church of God. And so the Church of God is to set themselves apart from all of these things. And the will of the Gentiles is to indulge oneself in these things. And so we find the indulging in lasciviousness and lusts and wine, in revelings, in carousings, and it seems like those three right there, wine, revelings, and carousings, are pretty much of a, a various variety of all the same thing. And then there is the abominable idolatries. Well, what kind of idolatries do the Gentiles seek after? Well, certainly they seek after money, they seek after wealth, they seek after pleasures and various kinds of things of this nature. And as far as idolatries uh, go, we find that there are many idols indeed within our society. And it seems like that every uh, so-called popular person uh, in sports or in uh, entertainment or in music, or in some, uh, some kind of uh, uh, program or media context, uh, somebody has some particular idol that they're worshiping, that they're following, and they don't mind saying it. The American Idol, and everybody wants to be the hero, everybody wants to be on the center stage, and they want to promote themselves, and they want to be applauded, and they want to glorify themselves in that arena. And of course we have seen a number of people come and go upon this great arena of entertainment and idolatries. And uh, just recently, um, who was the famous musician that just died at 96? Tony Bennett. Huh? Tony Bennett. Tony Bennett. Well, see, I forgot his name already. (laughs) I'm, I'm not a big idol fan. I don't follow these people, but I saw it on the news. I think he was 96, wasn't he? Yeah, and he just died. Well, okay. But, you know, there's sports idols are um, a dime a dozen. Everybody's got a sports idol, in, either in soccer or in basketball or football or baseball or, or some other ball that I don't know about. Having a ball, you know. The, what was it, the Cheers program on television you used to see? You could go to... Cheers, and you—it was—you could always find a friend at the bar, 
you know, because they was all there drinking and doing the same thing. Um, well, I never did watch the program, but, you know, you hear about it all the time. But that one has gone by the wayside. But uh, idolatries, idolatries of all kinds, American idolatries. What about Eastern idolatries? There's a lot of Eastern idolatries, isn't there? So the West has its idolatries, which it makes and uh, puts forward in materialism and wealth and popularity and, and the various excesses that people are involved in. But the East has its idolatries, of course, which are different indeed. And uh, they become idolatries of worship and, and certain kind of devotion and, and all of this sort of thing. And we see that that is creeping, creeping into our society. Buddhism has become a very popular idol and religion, of, even of, of America today in the West. The East is seducing the West with a lot of its worship and a lot of its idolatries and uh, paganism, that, which is coming in. Witchcraft has taken on a whole new dimension in our culture and society. The occult is, is embedded within our society. And uh, there are many occult followers. And we find that these sort of things are uh, pervasive in, in families, even though we uh, don't uh, see it quite so publicly. They do it more privately, perhaps. But it comes out at different times, in holidays, in various kinds of, of times when they want to make known their belief systems and their idolatries, they make it known. Uh, when, they, when they go back into the pagan belief systems in certain kinds of religious superstitions which they, they adhere to and all of this sort of thing. There's all kinds of abominable idolatries. And um, the idolatry of... Um, of of the human flesh is a, a one which is popular today and we could say that that um, of course the LBQ plus network of and it's promoted from the government all the way to the bottom it's promoted everywhere promoted in the school promoted in the government promoted in literature promoted in, in entertainment promoted and ev everything going today and people have become so enamored with it, they, they fly flags everywhere. Uh, and they're so, it is an abominable idolatry, the same. It is uh, a, an idolatry of self and pleasure and wantonness and lustful desires. And of course, these things are latent in the human body, in the human nature, because of the fall. When you stop and think about it, there, every person in the world has been infected with the fall since Adam. And so it is, it is latent within the very nature of the human body, the human, the human psyche. You know, to want somebody and to, and to have pleasure with someone or something. And, and of course this has taken on a, a very evil dimension in many places. You know, they try to kind of sanitize it a little bit, and, they'll, and they, they try to show two very well-dressed people, you know, uh, saying that they're getting married, and they, and they have this nice little home, and they're going to adopt this nice little child, and, and so on and so forth. But uh, that is kind of the cleaned-up version of such a lifestyle. 
it, um, if we know anything about the book of Romans, it, it goes down very quickly. The, uh, the, the reprobateness of the human nature can take a sudden dive and it can go down very quickly. Um, and it does. It does. It's an abominable idolatry. He says, in the which they think it's strange that ye run not with them to the same prolificacy, speaking evil of you. You know, what, what does a society say today? Society says, oh, you, you, how dare you not to agree with the LBGKQXYZW whatever? You know, how dare you not to agree with them? And, and, and they will ostracize you, and they will belittle you, and they will degrade you. They'll do anything they can to you if you, if you say, this is not right, and this is abominable, and this is a, some sin or something. Oh, they will do everything they can to, to shut you up. Everything they can. They'll put their fist in the air on a sign in front of their house, and, and they will dare you to say anything. And they will, they will just scream at you. With, with their delight to do whatever they want to do. And society is against you. Society is against the Christian. Completely against the Christian on this thing. Well, the latest, uh, the latest is, seems that more and more churches are beginning to go, what they call, woke. They're beginning to accept these, these uh, perversions. Uh, perhaps ever so... Uh, ever so... Um, Righteously, you might say, oh, we don't want to put anybody down, you see. We want to welcome everybody. So we'll welcome them in. Oh, we can't say anything. We can't say anything about them because they're, after all, we have to be kind. Be kind, people. Be kind now. Oh, you haven't you seen the be kind signs? Oh, yeah, they're everywhere. You're, you're, you're supposed to be kind no matter what. No matter what you're doing, you've got to be kind. Be kind now. Don't say anything. Oh, this, this is the society in which we live. This is the same society that God says is, a, is sinning against God. This is the same society that says that the nature, uh, the, the, the nature is bad. The nature is, transgresses against the will of God. And... We find that uh, this is this is what we have to be opposed to. We have to be opposed to it. He says, "For in time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles." Uh, we were doing the same things. Well, in Corinthians it says, Paul says to some of the Corinthian believers there, he says, "For you were also very much like these." whom we know were sinning against God. You know, he, he says the same thing to the effect that, that, well, you were doing the same thing before you came to Christ. Well, when we stop and think about it, on some level, all of us were doing something on some level, just the same as everybody who wrought the will of the Gentiles. What were you into before you came to know Christ as your Savior? Before you ever believed on the Lord Jesus. Well, there was something that wasn't just right, I'm sure. Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, right? I mean, none of us were, were, were born saints. No, no. We're born sinners, not saints. And, and, and so we haven't become 
saints until we come to, to the saving knowledge of Christ and then, then the Lord saves us. He sanctifies us unto himself. Anyway, for, for the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, carousings, abominable idolatries, in the which they think it strange that ye run not with them. Well, that, that's, what, that's what the world does. The world says, how come you don't go along with this? How come you don't take the drink at the bar? How come you don't take the social drink? How come you don't believe that it's okay for people to love anybody? Well, after all, love is love, isn't it? Love is love, isn't it? Uh, you, you, you must have heard that one recently. You know, it doesn't matter what you... Love is love. What are you complaining about? They have a, such a, a problem with this. You see, in the which they think it's strange that, that you run not with them to the same prolificacy speaking evil of you. They speak evil of you. Well, there's hardly a news commentator that will say anything against the LBGQ community. Nobody. Nobody will say anything against them. They may report something, but they won't say, they won't come out and say anything really against them. They may say, oh, they did this, or they did that, or they got this right, or, they, they, or, or they're having this parade, or they're doing something, but they won't say anything against them. Or they don't want to get black labeled, you know, they don't, they, they don't want that. So we find that they have to step really carefully Really carefully. The church is beginning to do that, you see. That's what the church is beginning to do. And of course, some of the churches are, are flying the flag of the gay rights people who shall give an account to him that is ready to judge the living and the dead. You see, God is going to judge. Every, uh, everyone who is outside of the, uh, of the grace of God will be judged. Will be judged. Now, I'm sure that they wouldn't appreciate what you know, what that implies. But they're going to be judged. We are to have the courage of Christ. People who, people become like what they worship. People become like what they worship. So we have two possibilities, sin or suffering for Christ, and then people become what they worship. You know, if they worship the world, then they're going to become like the world. And if they worship Christ, then they should become like Christ. And that's where we are as Christians. We should be more and more like Christ. Who shall give an account to him that is ready to judge the living and the dead. For for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead. That they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. Now this particular verse is, seems to be referring to those who have come to faith in Christ. Who were dead but are now in Christ. For for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead. Well, to preach the gospel to people who are dead, they're, what? they're dead in sin. And they're not dead in the grave. Uh, you can't preach to too many people dead in the grave. You don't go to the graveyard and preach to dead people. You go to living people who are dead in trespasses and sins and preach to them the gospel, right? That's what we do that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God. Well, see, men in the flesh are going to judge a person who comes to faith in Christ. If, uh, you know, if, you, if a person is saved, 
then those who are those in the world that they're going to judge you uh, ever how in improper it may be they're going to judge you but what does the next part of the verse say but live according to God in the spirit those same people had the gospel preached unto them that were dead in trespasses and sins and now have come to faith in Christ live according to God in the spirit see then now that's where we are we're to live according to God in the spirit but the world, the world will judge you. The world will judge you. They're going to say, you ought to conform. But if we are truly in Christ, we cannot do it. We cannot do it. Thirdly, we are to show a Christ-like service. And in this, uh, we shall either have the blame of men or the approval of God. Well, the blame of men is against those who come to faith in Christ. Those who have been, have, have, preached, have been preached the gospel and they've come to faith in Christ, they're going to have the blame of men. But we need the approval of God on our, hat, on our behalf. That's what we want. He says, verse 7, But the end of all things is at hand. The end of all things. Be ye therefore sober-minded and watch unto prayer. Here is the Christian. We, we are in the Spirit. We live according to God in the Spirit. So we are to watch unto prayer. Well, of course, not as much emphasis is given to, to prayer, is it? Not as much emphasis. I know when I was growing up, my grandmother, she had, a, of course, a group of Christian ladies that she associated with. They had, a, you know, what we would call a, a quilting thing, where they would get together, make quilts, and then they would make different things for different people. And then one day a week, they would get together and have um, a watch night prayer group. They called it a tarry meeting. It was tarrying. It was waiting for the Holy Spirit as they got together in prayer. And, and um, I thought that was interesting. You know, growing up I heard all these things as a, as a child and my grandmother was doing all these things, and she never kept any of it from me. She says, oh, i got to go and, and work with the ladies to, this week, and we're going to do this and do that and help out some people. We've got to have a prayer group. We're going to have a Bible study. You know, she would tell me all these things. And she said, we're, we're going to have a watch night prayer meeting, and she would tell me all about that. It's, you see, the end of things is at hand. Oh, well, you might say, well, does that mean it was going to happen yesterday, tomorrow, at the, in the first century? No, not necessarily. Remember, from the time of Christ to the time that he comes again is the last days in the Bible. That's the, that's the, that's the, the age of grace. We weren't told when Christ was coming back. When John chapter 14, when he told the disciples, he says, I go away uh, to prepare a room for you. And if I go away, I'll come again and receive you unto myself. He didn't tell them when. He just, you know, the immediacy, the sense of anticipation, the sense of the reality of Christ's return. As you have seen him go up into heaven, he will come in like manner at the ascension. This sense that Christ was 
come, it has carried over all these many centuries, and that today the one thing that encourages us most as believers is the blessed hope of the return of Christ. And even now, even today, we say, Lord, even so, come quickly. Even so, come. We want the Lord to come at any time. We want the Lord to come at any time. And so the end of all things that is, hand, is at hand, he says. And so because, because Christ could come at any time, he is saying, therefore be sober, watch unto prayer. You know, we, we ought to give more attention to prayer. And above all things, have fervent love among yourselves, for love shall cover the multitude of sins. And so we have prayer, watch into prayer, then he says, love one another. And love one another insomuch that you are willing to forgive one another of every sin. And not only so, but remember as you love others, you can teach them about Christ who was able to forgive all sins. I mean, we have to add Christ into the, into the equation, don't we? Or, or else we don't have anything. We just have a lot of good works. If we don't have Christ in the equation, who are we praying to? God the Father and Christ. Who are we loving to or for? We, he loved us, and so we love Him. And why do we love one another? Because He loved us, and we love Him. And how are we to win others? Because we love Christ and wants us to love others. We always have to add Christ to the equation. We always have to. Because love shall cover a multitude of sins. And you and I both know, we can't cover anybody's sins. Only Christ can. Only Christ can. He says, use hospitality one to another without grudging. So now we have prayer, loving one another, and be hospitable. Wow, there's, a, there's good, three good things right there, right? How are we doing? How are we doing with that? We're to be praying, we're to love one another, we're to be hospitable one to another without grudging. Without grudging. In other words, this is the, it's a, a very free, open, graceful hospitality we extend to one another. There's no grudging involved in it whatsoever. As every man hath received a gift, even so minister the same to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. What gift is it? Well, if you received any kind of grace at all, first of all, it's the gift of grace. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. But then everybody in the body of Christ has some gift to offer. Don't you? Everybody in the body of Christ has a gift to offer. Of course you do. Everybody. Everybody. In fact, we wouldn't have any grace at all if it were not for God. We wouldn't have any gift to share anything. No, I mean, he doesn't mention a specific gift here, except that we have come to faith in Christ, except that we are to be men and women of prayer, except that we are to love one another, except that we are to be good stewards of the manifold grace of God, that we are to do good unto one another. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, 
that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise, dominion forever and ever. Amen. And so if we are to speak, he says, speak as the oracles of God. What does that simply mean? Well, probably to the sense that we ought to be speaking according to the Holy Spirit. We ought to speak those things which are within God's will. It's not, he's not saying come up with a new, a new revelation. No. No. There's plenty of revelation already given to us that we can speak to one another. The very word of God. And, and, and we ought to speak in the will of God and with the spirit of God so that the message of Christ will come clearly through. That there'll be no ambiguity at all in what we are saying. Speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth. See, God gives each one of us an ability to speak. Giving us a testimony for Christ. Have you come to faith in Christ? You can tell somebody about Christ. You can, love, you can love somebody because Christ has loved you. You can pray for someone because Christ has taught us that we ought to be praying to, for one another unto the Father in the name of Jesus Christ. All of these things um, hinge upon our relationship to Christ. Our relationship to Christ. And then he says that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The heart of ministry is Christ. The heart of ministry is Christ. And it begins with whether or not we are willing to suffer for Christ, or, we, or that we are willing to run with the world. Which one is it that we want to do? We have two possibilities, sin or suffering for Christ. People become like what they worship. We shall either have the blame of men or the approval of God. Well, that sounds like a, a tall order, doesn't it? But it's something God has equipped us with. He's equipped us to do it. He's equipped us to have the life of Christ in us. Christ is in us. The hope of glory. Therefore, as we, we rely upon Christ and of the Spirit of God, we too can do these things. Shall we pray? Loving Father, we thank you for your word and the ministry of your Spirit and you're working in us according to your will. Because we want to do the will of God rather than the will of the Gentiles. We want to please Christ and have that mind of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.